The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I don't ever want to go to sleep. I just want to keep on grooving. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com and the Pewter Report podcast. Hope everybody had a great weekend because it is draft week, ladies and gentlemen. We are turning all of our full attention to the 2023 NFL draft where the Bucks are picking 19th in the first round. And there are a slew of options that they can go with, but more specifically, We're going to go with defense today, talk about that side of the ball. One, because defense win championships. And two, uh, if you've been reading at PeterReport.com, we've been doing our Bucks draft previews and Bucks best bets by each position. And uh, a lot of last week was all about the the offensive side of the ball. And this week, it's a lot more defense. So we're going to stick with defense on today's show. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is... A very good man. Actually, a great man. Uh, Josh Capo joining me on today's show. Josh, great to see you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm well, Matt. Thank you for asking. Very excited about draft week. Uh, Took the whole week off from my other job just so I could uh, hang out with you fellas later this week. And I can't wait to get down to Florida for it. Yeah, super excited that you're going to be joining us. Uh, We'll plug this a little bit later uh, in the show. But we do have the... Pewter live draft show, the Pewter Report live draft show, energized by Celsius. It'll be uh, April 27th, 28th, and 29th, streaming live on our YouTube channel and on pewterreport.com while we are at the Bucks facility. Um, each night, it starts one hour before the draft starts. We give our full in-depth analysis, um, our takes on every pick, not just the Bucks picks, every single pick. Um, it's an absolute blast. So, so glad you're going to be joining us, Josh. It'll be myself. It'll be Scott Reynolds. Really all Pewter Report. Adam Slavon, uh, JC Allen making an appearance, and uh, Josh Capo as well. Bailey Adams, too. Can't leave Bailey out. So, uh, very excited about that. We'll we'll talk more about that uh, a little bit later. But, uh, you know, we're all into the the draft topics right now. But with that said, if you super chat us, we are going to answer your super chat uh, right off the bat. And of course, it's our favorite super chatter, Adam Hamilton. Thank you, Adam, for the super chat. Um, he says, do we replace Devin in the draft or do you think he stays? So, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a uh, defensive question, so we can stick with it. Um, Josh, I am of the belief that, and obviously the Bucs have to address the Devin White situation, but I think more thoroughly if they're going to replace Devin white in my opinion they have to trade back in 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 this year's or at least in the first round so they can get that extra draft pick and then use that pick on inside linebacker i just think like 
you're already addressing for so many positions now throwing linebacker into it. I think it's not the only way, but I think it's probably the most uh, advantageous way to go about replacing Devin. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if the bucks don't take a linebacker at some point in the next week, right. Uh, in, in the draft. Um, do I think that it's a high enough priority that they have to do it on day one or day two? No, because the Bucks don't seem like they are going to trade Devin White before the start of this upcoming season. Uh, and because of that, you do have two starters penciled in. They seem to be very high on KJ Britt. So you've got your top three guys. And there have been times over the last few years where the Bucks have rolled with just three linebackers on the 53-man roster. So from that standpoint, the group is set for 2023. Now, 2024 and beyond, you know, the only guy under contract is KJ Britt. And he's, you know, the Bucks talk him up, but I don't think that he's a viable starter. So I think that they are going to probably get somebody for depth. It's not a great linebacker class, you know, just in general. Um, linebackers don't tend to perform well in their first couple of years out of the draft. Um, so, so those are two hurdles to really creating long-term stability at that position group. Um, you had mentioned that you think that the Bucks could trade back. And I think that that's something they're probably open to uh, depending on how the offensive tackles come off the board in the first round. My question, I think I, I spoke with Adam about this last week on Thursday's uh, Pewter Report podcast. I think that may be difficult to do this year, at least more so than in years past in round one. Because I think that there are going to be a lot of teams looking to potentially trade back. I don't know how many teams are going to be looking to trade up, especially with this draft class kind of being light on elite and premium talent, and especially at, at kind of the uh, positions that have more positional value, like wide receiver. You, you've seen a lot of trade-ups in the last few years for quarterbacks and wide receivers. The, the quarterbacks are probably going to shake themselves out in the top five picks. The Bucks aren't going to be a part of any type of trade scenario there. And the wide receivers in this draft are all kind of day two guys. I mean, yeah. there are some cases to be made for three or four guys potentially being first round dudes, which is a lot different than the last three or four drafts when it was like, let's make cases for three or four dudes being top 10 picks. Um, and I think that's right. going to make it, make it difficult for the Bucks at 19 to potentially trade back. Not that it will would be impossible, but definitely difficult. It is crazy talking about the wide receivers where like last year's draft class, it was so many in a row, so many in that first round. It began with Drake London, Garrett Wilson obviously went off the board too, Chris Olave. So it was stacked last year. And, yep. and this year's draft class, kind of, yeah, kind of more thinking like Quentin Johnston, maybe a late first rounder. And I, I also think it's really difficult for the Bucs trading this year. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the first round. You know, if right. they want to do it in the second round or whatever, that's totally fine too. But you look at the, like the front of this year's draft class, and obviously the Panthers already made the trade to get to the first round. The Texans are an absolute wild card in general of like what they're going to do. There's whispers of they might not even draft the quarterback and they could go, you know, with an edge or, or something like that, or maybe they'll end up trading back. So, yeah, there are a lot of teams that are kind of susceptible. We're not susceptible, but just like open to trading that are way ahead of the Bucks. where, um, you know, the Bucks kind of like uh, last man standing, just looking around. Uh, yeah. What are we going to do now? Um, that, that comes yeah. down to, I mean, there are only, depending on who you talk to, who's really reviewed this draft class, somewhere between five and eight elite talents, like blue chippers. 
And a couple of them have their own question marks, right? And then true first rounders. And what I defined a first rounder as is a guy who can kind of step onto the field and immediately be average to better at his position from day one. And maybe 15 of those guys, if you squint, and that makes it difficult, you know, for teams to justify the immense amount of draft capital that it requires to move up in the draft in the first round. Yeah, very true. Uh, good points made there. Want to give a shout out to everybody in the uh, chat right now. Appreciate all the Peter people. Uh, Lay Devin Green says you need two linebackers in this year's draft. And Shaggy says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, a lot of football fans and obviously uh, draft analysts, they look at this like a holiday. And uh, it very much could be. Let's stick with the linebackers for a second. We are going to talk about uh, really all defensive prospects and get into some of the the Bucks' best bets and the, uh, the pre-draft previews. Uh, everyone at Peter Report has been doing an awesome job just – getting player after player with these great reviews and a ton of great insight. So uh, I'd recommend everybody uh, to go and, and read it when you get a moment. Josh obviously did a fantastic job as well. But right now, defensively, we have defensive tackle and edge rusher uh, both out on PeterReport.com. We haven't dropped linebackers yet or some of the other positions. So as far as it goes for linebacker, if the Bucks get into that situation, um, Obviously, Jack Campbell out of Iowa is a name that we, that we've talked about a lot. Drew Sanders is rated as the number one linebacker prospect on Dane Brugler's the uh, the Beast. Yep, uh, that's obviously a huge one. Excellent um, read. Go out and get it yeah. if you haven't. I mean, it's amazing one, what he does. One million percent. I could not agree more. Um, I've been a big fan of, of Dayon Henley as well out of Washington State. Don't necessarily know if the Bucks love him, but just in general, I like him. Derek Hall, of course, you know, we're all obsessed with Aubrey Miller Jr. We played a little Aubrey Miller Jr. roulette on our uh, mock draft last week of like how, <laughs> like, is this the round that we draft him? Uh, big fan of his. But um, just for you, Josh, I know Jason Light came out and said this isn't the strongest linebacker class, but is there anyone, whether it was a couple of the names that I uh, just, that I just rattled off or any other linebackers that you've been looking at that, you would be okay with the Bucks taking a flyer on, maybe not in the first round, but you know, to find a, an eventual, maybe not even a successor, just someone that can start an inside linebacker if something happens to Devin White or Levante David. Yeah, I, I agree with Jason Lighton that this isn't the the deepest or, or the strongest linebacker class. I think it's interesting from two different perspectives when you put a Bucks lens to it. The number one guy on my board. Um, I think that there are ways that you can parallel the strengths in his game to not Devin White, but to Levante David. Right? Ah. So, so Levante David wasn't the most athletic linebacker in the world, right? He wasn't this guy running a 4-4-40 like Devin. I think he ran like a 4-6, right? But the thing that makes Levante David so fantastic at the linebacker position is it's almost like he, he has um, he's clairvoyant right? He just knows where to be. It's the, the football instincts. Yes. And, and somebody in this draft class, and, and this is why he's number one for me on the inside linebacker um, uh, position group is Jack Campbell out of Iowa. And, and Campbell, when you watch his tape, he's just never out of position. He always knows where he's supposed to be. He's diagnosing the play really well. Um, he just, he gets to the spots. Now there have been some questions about his athleticism. I think he answered a good portion of them 
at the combine where I, I think his relative athletic score ended up being in the high eights or low nines, which is phenomenal. A lot of draft analysts say that he isn't as fast as the four, six 40 he put up. And I would probably agree with that. But what he does is because he's so great right off the snap and he knows where he needs to be, he gets there faster than guys who are quicker than him. So if you're thinking about like somebody for long term to replace, not Devin, but to replace Levante, somebody like um, Jack Campbell, I think is a great pick. And he's going to be somebody who goes maybe late first round, early second. So the Bucks would have to potentially consider him at 19. I think he'd be a stretch there. If he's there at 50. I would race that pick in because I just think he's very good at football. Um, on my big board, he comes in at 33rd. So just outside of that, you know, first 32 picks for the first round. Beyond him, the interesting thing when you look at it from you know, a Bucks lens is there are a lot of linebackers in this class who you wouldn't say are first round talents or second round talents. Sure. But the one skill that all of them kind of pop with at a really high level is they blitz really well. And, and we're talking about guys like Drew Sanders, who you mentioned kind of number one on the board. You know, he's a he's somebody who I think at Alabama, they actually had him as an edge rusher and, and he transferred to Arkansas and they made him you know, a, a, uh, an off ball linebacker. And he did pretty well in that last season there. But he's fantastic at pass rushing to the point where a lot of draft analysts are like, maybe let him put on 10, 15 pounds because he's 6'4", 235, I think is what he came in at the combine. And he's a really good pass rusher. Um, Trenton Simpson, who's, you know, he's smaller. I don't think there's any way that he would ever be an edge rusher, but really great at rushing the passer, coming in as a blitzer. Um, a guy like uh, Dorian Williams, I think, is out of Tulane, and Ivan Pace out of Cincinnati. Those guys all blitz really well. Mm -hmm. And you talk about whether Devin White is going to be a long-term fixture on this Bucks defense. The thing that he does at a really high level is he's a blitzer. So if you're looking to create a long-term replacement for what Devin White does really well, this may actually be the best draft to do that at the linebacker position. Um, and you wouldn't necessarily have to invest high draft capital to replace that skill set. Cause I think a lot of those guys are going to be, you know, mid to late day two guys and beyond. You can get some of them on day three. And you obviously know that Todd Bowles loves to blitz. So he's always looking for that fast, speedy guy, but I'm absolutely with you when you go back to, to Jack Campbell, who you started with. Um, sure, maybe the athleticism, it worries you a little bit, but the, the best football players of all time are all instinctual. They know how to anticipate a play. They just know how to play straight up. And we talk so often about how Levante David has like cleaned up the messes of, of, of Devin White in the past. You could argue that linebacker is the most instinctual position that you would like to have that trade um, uh, on the defense or really in the whole league. Cause like the linebackers, that captain of the defense moving around, calling the plays, calling out coverages and everything like that. I think it would absolutely be a, a great idea to get a player such as Jack Campbell. You mentioned Ivan Pace. I thought he was fantastic at the senior bowl. Just uh, some of the blitzing moves that he had and just, overrunning these uh these running backs that were that were trying to stunt him um Ivan Pace as far as a as a blitzer goes I I I'd be down with that I, I would sign up for it um Trent Simpson for whatever reason the Bucks front office they don't love Clemson players I know they they have Nolan Turner who's an undrafted free agent but uh it, I don't know just the the non-favoritism of of Clemson linebackers that kind of 
it, it's it's, it's interesting there because you look at at Clemson and they have quite a few guys who are draft eligible this year, right? And all of them were really high, five, four or five star recruits coming out of high school. And a lot of them just did not show a ton of development over their time at Clemson. So you think about like uh, Miles Murphy, the edge rusher, Brian Brzee, um, defensive tackle, somebody like Trenton Simpson, all of these guys who were really, really highly sought after prep players and they get to Clemson. And I mean, all of them are going to be drafted. All of them are probably going to be drafted before day two is over, but the ascent of their progress was really kind of stunted. And I think that that may give each one of them and just NFL teams in general, a little bit of pause, like what's going on at Clemson that these guys aren't developing from where they were five-star preps to player to now being truly on the elite side um, as they go enter uh, the pros. Uh. Sorry, lost. Uh, just reading the chats, man. It's just uh, very interesting. Flash Gordon says, uh, "I'm so back and forth about Trenton uh, Simpson." Yeah, yeah I, mean, I hear you there, Flash. I'm right there with you, bud. He's uh, he's linebacker five for me, uh, and I'm trying to figure out where I've got him on my big board. Just just under 180 players right now. He's 71st overall for me, so I'm right there with you. Christopher Oxentine says, I have a thing for uh, Marte. He's talking about Marte Mapu out of Sacramento State. I really like Marte Mapu. He's obviously very quick, but he's probably going to be a safety uh, at the end. He's coming to Ryan Erlacher. Ryan Erlacher was a safety and became a, a linebacker. Mapu probably going the other way, but he played all over. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he'd be an interesting pick for the Bucks. I had him in my mock draft during our Bucks battle plans. Yep, um, you were I early on him. I got him. Yeah, I think I got him in one of the one of the with one of the last picks for the Bucks. I think it would be very, very interesting uh, if they got him. But I, I wouldn't pick him as a replacement for Devin White. I just think in general, just another piece to have on defense is, is more the right. Yeah, six three two ten, a little bit light for the linebacker position. It's got great length, especially arm length, so that allow him to get into passing lanes. Um, above average coverage skills for a linebacker. And like you, I, I see him as more of a safety, kind of a dimebacker and overhang safety at the next level. Um, good you know, agility for his size, especially for his um, how tall he is, and, and a strong tackler. Um, so, But I just don't think he's got the play strength to really play linebacker at the NFL level. I think that's yeah, kind of the big I, thing holding him back there. Yeah, I think physically-wise, he'd kind of get dominated. So... Um. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I see a couple people asking, so I'll just I'll just mention it real quick. Uh, Christopher asking if I'm okay. Uh, same with Nathan and uh, Longus Glazer as well. Appreciate you guys asking. Um, I had a bad fall this weekend, and I landed on my face and got a couple of stitches in my forehead. I'm good to go, though. I mean, football players have played through much worse stuff, um, so got a bit of a nasty scar on my forehead right now, but uh, I'm doing okay, but appreciate it. The concerns and i'll be doing even much better because in one minute you know what we like to do on mondays it is roll call baby where you at pewter people we have some of the best fans in the world and in the nfl landscape we love interacting with the pewter people and the fans and uh one of the fun ways we like to do that is uh at 420 on every monday show 
usually one of us goes on a, a rant or a diatribe or some topic that we want to get into. And while we're talking about whatever Bucks topic it is, we uh, put on screen where you are watching the show from because it's very cool. We obviously have fans in Tampa. We got fans um, over in Europe. We got fans international. People watching from California, across the other side of the state. So uh, it's just a fun way to interact with everybody. Josh, I don't know if there's a specific direction you want to go with. I know we want to talk about defensive tackles yet, but if you got something on your mind, man, um, yeah, I thought I, would, to... I thought I would start with edge rushers. I, I know we're going to get into defensive tackles because that's uh, sure. that was today's you know uh, pewter report or pewter preview and Bucks best bets. Um, but yesterday we had the edge class. I think um, we've had a, we've talked a lot about the edge class, but it's one of my favorite classes of this draft. And so just kind of go through some of the guys who could be there when the Bucks pick at 19, between 19 and 50, um, because I think we at Pewter Report do believe that somewhere in the first two rounds, the Bucks will probably target edge um, defenders, especially with Shaq Barrett coming back from his uh, you know Achilles injury, uh, Joe Traunshank uh, still needing to take that next step. There is a, an opportunity for the Bucks to bolster that room. So for me, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my big board uh, or my, my edge class board. The first three guys that I think just won't be there, Will Anderson, uh, I don't think Tyree Wilson will be there, uh, or Lucas Van Ness. But then getting into that kind of next tier uh, of guys who I really like, uh, BJ Ojulari out of LSU. Um, I feel like he, he's a full effort guy on every play. Um, I like his bend, and I think he uses a one arm. And one of the cool things about Ojulari is he's constantly trying out new pass rush moves. And when you talk a lot of, about a lot of the edge defenders in this class, and it is one of the deeper uh, portions of the draft is edge, many of these guys have one or two moves that they tend to rely on. And at the next level, they're going to have to kind of broaden their arsenal. BJ Ojulari, he tries out a bunch of pass rush moves. Now, has he perfected all of them? No but he's familiar with them and he has a pass rush plan. And when you talk about the edge defender position, you want somebody who kind of has a plan in place. And I would say he's one who really does. Another one who really, I think, enters every rep with a plan is Felix Anadike Uzama. Almost, I almost had it right. Almost said it right. Uh, out of Kansas, Kansas State. And, and he is a Bucks best bet for an early round pick. Um, 6'3", 255 pounds, great power. He uses his hands and his arms really well. He's got some dip um, to, to his outside arc pass rush. He's got a nice little ghost move, but what was really stood out about him is he actually talked about his pass rush plan at the NFL Combine during some of the media sessions. And he said when he enters a game, when he's going up against a tackle, that's where he wants to start is with his power. He's going to try and bull rush. He's going to try and long arm, and he's going to see how offensive tackles react to that. And from there, he'll start to integrate other moves, inside moves, counters, and really start to take advantage of some of the tendencies that he's able to pull out of those offensive tackles in terms of how they handle his power and his bull rush. So those are two guys that I think um, could definitely be on the Bucks' radar as they get from, from 19 to 50, somewhere in that range. And then the third one, one of my favorites to talk about is just Will McDonald out of Iowa State. Oh, yeah. Uh, Will McDonald, 6'4", 239, and Iowa State used him as a 4'I. And, and for those who aren't familiar, I mean, they basically used him as like a 3'4 defensive end. And at his size, for him to actually be able to compete 
against interior defensive line or offensive linemen. Um, just every snap he was given at 150%. I think he's got great use of his arms as well. Speed burst off the line is fantastic. Play is really strong. And he showed that from how Iowa state played him. And, and even at the senior bowl, they were still playing him at four. I, um, so I think that he's actually got a fairly decent floor for a run defense for his size. So those are three of the guys who I thought were, were kind of stood out as edge defenders um, that the Bucks could potentially target uh, here at the draft in day one or day two. Will McDonald had a 34 and a half uh, inches long where was his arm length. Um, so he's, he's got that, he's got that length, but there's more to him than that. Like when you look yep. at Anthony Nelson, for example, you just think, Oh, lanky, lanky guy, whatever. But you don't, you see the, the, like everything else with Will McDonald. It's not just like the, the fact that he's, he's got length. Uh, he actually was fifth on the uh, Peter preview of defensive tackles. One was Will Anderson, two was Tyree Wilson, three Lucas Van Ness, four Nolan Smith, and Will McDonald rounded out that top five. Uh, some of the best of the rest include Isaiah Foskey, Gaia Diaby, who we'll get to in just a moment, yep. um, and the Byron, oh, sorry, Byron Young out of Tennessee, the edge rusher, uh, KJ Henry as well. But yeah, you, you mentioned with Felix Anudike Uzama, uh, I don't even know if I said that right. I think I, I think you did. That. I think you nailed it. I'm I'm very jealous. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he was the Bucks' best bet for rounds one through three. He, as far as the edge rushers went, he was the most fun bull that I watched uh, when I was watching his highlights. And Aaron Rodgers got traded to the Jets. All right. Cool. Hold, um, hold, hold on. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Let's give that a moment, especially for you, buddy. You've been waiting for this for months. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm very excited. I thought it was gonna happen. I kind of thought it was gonna happen on draft night. To be totally honest with you, uh, not about I'm Aaron Rodgers about stealing it. the uh, the spotlight from everyone else. I just no. Listen, it's a Bucks podcast. People don't want to hear about the Jets. I get it. <laughs> um, but I'm very, I'm very, very excited about it. But Uzama, the thing I loved, like the power move that he had. But really, just the way that he got after the football, too. Like, it wasn't just that he got the sack. It was he was hitting the ball out. He was making the big play. Um, I thought that was super important, the the power that he that he brought with it. Uh, and the Bucks' other best bet was Yaya Diaby out of Louisville. So the way it gets broken up for those that don't um, know the the, the – Buck's best bets is Scott Reynolds, whose birthday was yesterday. I saw someone asking about Scott's birthday. His birthday was yesterday, so happy belated birthday to Scott Reynolds. Um, he will do the write-up for Buck's best bets for every position, and he does one for the early rounds, rounds one through three, and he does uh, some for the rounds four through six. So four through seven, he had Gaia Diaby. Um, he says Bucks want to get faster on defense, and Diaby is one of the fastest and most athletic Outside linebackers in this year's draft, Diaby blazed a 4.51 at the NFL scouting combine. The muscular Cardinals defender has strong hands, longer arms that helped him rack up a career high nine sacks last year. Um, obviously, the name Yaya Diaby is, is very exciting. Absolutely, uh, but I thought he was he was very senior too. It was cool. It was cool seeing uh, what he was able to do down in Mobile. 
Yeah, I mean, just a great motor on him, lots of production. And, yeah, I, I, I get this as feedback from fans all the time. You know, there are some guys, you look at them and you're like, this guy, he's got all the traits, but then is the production there? And you have to sometimes ask yourself, if there isn't production there, why? You know, somebody like Nolan Smith out of Georgia, but Yaya's got all the production and then he's got the traits to go with it, which, you know, makes him kind of a safer bet there. Um, looking at, you know, he was in the 93rd percentile for his 10-yard split on his 40-yard dash among um, edge rushers, 96th percentile for his 40-yard dash, 86th percentile on his vertical jump, and 73rd percentile broad jump. So those are explosive measurements. They typically show how well a guy can kind of um, uh, explode off the line. And then his arm mm-hmm. length is in the 63rd percentile, which means that he's going to have a, a good, you know, be able to do a good job of, of getting, keeping tackles off of him, you know, off his frame. Uh, and then his hand size at 86 percentile. So, you know, some heavy hands there. They're really the only two areas that he didn't show up, um, you know, a, a above the 50th percentile is his height at six, three and a quarter inch. And I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing because when you have long arms like he does, and, and this kind of goes back to, Will McDonald as well, who's a little bit on the shorter side with with longer arms, it just gives them natural leverage. So they can kind of come up from underneath a tackle and explode into their chest. Um, So I actually think that that's not really that bad of a thing. And then 263 pounds, his weight is fine. I don't know how that ends up in the 45th percentile um, (laughs) on mock draftable. I think it's because they go back so far and the NFL has changed so much. But a 263-pound edge is actually a bigger edge in today's NFL. So Yaya's got kind of all of the um, the measurables. And I think most people, myself included, were ex- surprised at how well he performed in, in a lot of those drills. And he's got the production um, as well coming out of, I think it was Louisville. If I remember yep. So many guys these days. Uh, I'm trying to keep them all in my head. Um, so he's a really fun watch. And if the Bucks were able to get him on day three, say in the fifth round, I think that that would be a coup because I do think he would raise the floor on that outside linebacker room and really give them somebody a nice rotation um, with a back end guy who can develop into more. And I, I find it very interesting as it affects the bucks, because, you know, I go in with the concern, like Shaq's not going to be ready by the start of the season. Shaq's not going to be ready, but then he goes on loose cannons and is like, yeah, I feel no pain. I plan on playing in week one. If, I don't know if if Shaq is good to go, then edge rusher is still important, but I don't know if it's like necessarily as, you know, as much of a priority as say offensive tackle is, or, you know, finding the next inside linebacker after Levante and Devin white. So the whole Shaq Barrett situation kind of throws uh, a wrench into it. Um, But yeah, if, if they don't go in the first two rounds, I'm all for Yaya Diaby. Um, as an edge rusher for Tampa Bay in a later round. It's different with Fent Pat, isn't it? Because you have Vita Bay in there. He's the guy. He's the rock at Gibraltar. He's, he's the dude. You got Greg Gaines in there as well. Um, teammates with Vita going back to Washington, uh, was on the Rams, big-time run stuffer. And a lot of this is all about the development of Logan Hall and do the Bucks decide to bring back uh, Will Golston, which none of us would be shocked um, if that's the case. But for you, Josh, where are you pinpointing slash targeting 
if you're Jason Light, like when you're going to go for a defensive tackle in this year's draft, if you feel that the Bucks still need to add another one. I think that, you know, it's funny. Um, looking at the Bucks roster, while the I think the most glaring need on the, in terms of starters is on the offensive side of the ball, you could look at every level of the Bucks defense and say, yeah, they need to add players to each one of those rooms, the interior yeah, defensive line room, the edge room, inside linebacker, you know, corners and safeties. Um, and, and I would definitely say that they should address interior defensive line at some point during the draft. Um, as with, again, all of these positions, there's very little in terms of the high-end elite, just take it to the bank talent. Um, that really comes down to Jalen Carter, uh, and he should be off the board before the Bucks he gets to the before the Bucks pick at 19. And if he's not at 19, right. that means the off-the-field issues are a lot more concerning than, than it has even been reported to this point. And then beyond that, every single guy there's there's question marks, right? Uh, that second level. Brian Brzee's tape is, was inconsistent um, coming out of Clemson. Uh, you and I were just kind of talking about it, him a little bit right before the show. Um, but I think one of the things with Brzee is all the tools are there for him to be successful. And his, there is a very good reason why he, he may not have put up the best tape last year. And I, this has been reported, so I'll just go ahead and put it out there for those who don't know. But uh, Brian Brzee's sister, uh, he had a 15-year-old sister, passed away in September of last year due to cancer, right? And I think he played wow. like the following week, and he played throughout wow. the entire year, right? So on one hand, completely understandable that this is going to absolutely take away his focus from playing on the field, as it should, right? You know, we're all human beings here. That's a tragic mm -hmm. thing for anyone to go through. Um on the other hand, the character in order to be able to still play, you know, and, and try and play at a high level, absolutely, at, you know, in a power five uh, conference is incredible. And I think that goes to the person that he most likely is, but that doesn't mean there aren't question marks around him. Right. Somebody sure. like Mazzy Smith out of Michigan, who I absolutely love. I think he could come in and, and be a very good nose tackle from day one. Didn't show a ton of pass rush ability at Michigan. Part of that was because the way that they had him play, it, just his his starting stance didn't give him a chance to really push up field um, because they, they kind of had him in a four-point stance, very squared off. Um, you look at somebody like Kalijah Kansi, size concerns, and then the Bucks' best bet for rounds one through three. Here we go. Let's see if I can do it. Out of Tamawa, out of Bawari, out of Northwestern. Thank you. Thank you. Been practicing for three weeks now. Every Fantastic. night, in front of a mirror. Um, you know, Adebowale had absolutely insane measurables at the NFL Combine. He was putting up better numbers than Trayvon Walker, last year's first round pick or number yeah. one overall pick. Overall, mm -hmm. and the reason Walker was drafted number one overall by the Jags was because of his. It wasn't you know production at Georgia. It was because he was this freak athlete. Adebowale was matching or beating him in all these measurables at 10 pounds heavier. The, there are questions about what position is Adebowale going to play at the next level. He could drop 10 pounds, be a big edge. He'd add 10 pounds, be a small interior defensive lineman. And his production wasn't phenomenal out of Northwestern. So there's question marks. So um, there, there isn't a perfect prospect at this position group. And the Bucks have an opportunity. They should go and find somebody. Now, that's not to say there aren't guys that, have some traits that the Bucks should try and bet on. 
Uh, and for my money, I love Adebayo. You know that I've been in the group chat yeah. all about him for for hey, months another, now. Another senior bowl standout, a guy that exactly. like really got onto the scene. Um, Ado Adetamiwa Adebayo. I think I heard I he likes okay. to go by Tommy, which makes it a lot easier. Does he really? I cannot that, tell if you're joking with me. Right no, now. no, I, I did hear that. I did hear he likes to go by Tommy, which I'm hoping if he gets drafted by the Bucks, I absolutely to God hope that he does. Now, with that said, I got to interview him at the Senior Bowl. Yes. Did not know that, and I, I used his full name, and luckily I, I got it right to the point that he was willing to continue the interview. Um, so, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping if the Bucks do draft him, that it is in fact true that he likes to go by Tommy because that is a lot easier to pronounce. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would uh, it would make it easier on on the rest of the me on the rest of the media. Exactly. Though I will say it has helped me with like Dominican Sue. You might look at that and say, "Oh, it's a little bit daunting." It's really not that hard. But I think just like typing it over and over and over and over, it's like repetition. By the way, speaking of Dominican Sue, he was at the uh, Lightning game the other night. They showed Vita Vea on the screen, but Dominican Sue was was there as well. A couple of nice. other. Bucks players were there as well. Uh, Cole Keeft, Pat O'Connor, Nolan Turner. Um, yeah, a couple, couple of uh, Lightning players, or a couple of Bucks players supporting the Lightning. So, so a bunch of players from the Bucks 2022 team were at the Lightning game where they lost the game late. Makes sense. Yeah, I think they lost in overtime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see where you're going. <laughs> uh, the other Bucks best bet. Also, I wanted to ask you just to go back to Jalen Carter. Do you think there's like, I don't want to say all this stuff honestly is a concern, but do you see him going past 10? I don't like the fact that he's not even talking to teams that are past 10. Just right. I don't don't think that he goes, I don't think he makes it past 10. Um, You know, for stuff like that, I'll put out sometime before the draft, you know, uh, I think I already did one. I'll do my 2.0, how I kind of see the first round playing out, right? My guess at it. Bunch of people put out a first round mock. Um, I tend to use the betting markets to make some of those decisions. And I think the over under on Carter is six and a half, you know, somewhere in that six to seven range. And the betting markets are actually really, really good at this stuff. Um, So I I don't see him going past 10. If he does, I could see it being a huge slide though. You know, at that point you got a lot of teams who did not get a chance to bring him in for a top 30 visit because of his, stance that nobody outside of the 10 is allowed to interview him uh-huh. um, for top 30. And then, you know, how good are, were their background checks on him? So uh, Al, I, I agree. I think yeah, Seattle says five to Seattle is my guess. Seattle's in a very interesting spot because they have two first round picks yep. where like they could get a quarterback. If they really wanted to, I know they have Gino, but they're not like crazy long-term committed to Gino. Like if you look at the details of that contract, um, but if Jalen Carter's there, it's like, well, you still have Geno, so you can get a quarterback later at another time. Um, that would be kind of interesting to me. The other Bucks best bet at defensive tackle is Bowling Green, DT, Carl Brooks. Uh, also a very large three defensive college, so would move inside at the NFL level. He's a little bit bigger at 6'4", 304 pounds. Um, he was a big-time producer at Bowling Green's uh, Bowling Green. He had 27 and a half sacks and 10 as a senior. So 
Uh, you, you talk about that production, and that's right there for him. Um, Scott Reynolds goes on to say, Brooks also made a successful transition to defensive tackle at the Senior Bowl, where his hand-eye coordination and agility gave guards fits. He's not as athletic as Adebowale, and figures to be a day three selection, likely in the fourth or fifth rounds. Brooks has enough size to be a scheme fit in Tampa Bay, but will need some time to make the jump from the MAC to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, one of the first things I look for personally when I'm at the Senior Bowl and things like that is how do the small school guys stack up against the SEC players, the Big Ten, all that type of stuff. So once you check that box, you're on my radar. Um, So definitely respect that from Carl Brooks. A couple other guys on this list, um, not best bets, but later rounds. I liked Byron Young at Alabama. I did too. Um, yeah, quick first step, can get off the ball well. Um, I think would be pretty good in st- stopping the stopping the run. I think the Bucks kind of need to get back to bases with that. But yeah, Byron Young, the Alabama Byron Young, not the Tennessee Byron Young. Um, that was another guy on my radar that just looking him up, watching stuff, reading up on him. Um, I don't know. He's a guy that I wouldn't hate if the Bucks went after either. Yeah, he's uh he's defensive tackle six for me on my board. So um, I, he has a really nice swim move, a good bull rush. He moves uh, across gaps really well. Um, he has really natural leverage and a cool little push pull move. So um, a lot of kind of pass rush. He flashes a lot of pass rush ability, which um, for me it, it tends to push a guy up my board because that's hard to find at the interior defensive. Uh, line level or, or at defensive tackle. Um, I think I tweeted this out a few days ago because I'm glad you made the distinction between there were two SEC Byron Youngs. One yes. played edge at Tennessee. The other played defensive tackle at a- Alabama. And, I, and I, I tweeted out, I said, if your name is Byron Young and you're in the 2023 NFL draft, you're just a good player because both of them actually really, really good yeah. in their own right. So um, the other one that's really interesting, because again, it's there are a lot of things to like, and then there's this one glaring red flag that makes you go, well, if he doesn't clean this up, he's not going to be very good. Uh, Gervin Dexter out of Florida. Okay. Um, I, I, I really liked a lot of his tape. He would probably be a solid first rounder if his get off was anywhere close to good. And, and that's the one glaring red flag for him is he's just slow off the line. And I don't think that that's necessarily like just – a physical issue that he has um, trying to pull up some of his explosive testing. I think it's just, he's, he's got to learn how to, you know, how to launch better. Right. Yeah. His vertical was vertical jump was 31 inches and his broad jump was 110 inches, both, you know, above the 70th percentile for defensive tackle. So he's got the, the twitch in his legs, the power in his legs to push off better. Somebody's just got to teach him how to do it. And if he unlocks that, he could end up being one of the top three defensive tackles to come out of this draft. So he was another guy that kind of um, popped on my radar. Going back to Carl Brooks, you know, uh, that you had mentioned, the interesting thing for him, because his tape is fantastic, Mm -hmm. but you mentioned he played edge. He was a giant edge for Bowling Green. And making that transition from edge to defensive tackle is difficult. And, And Scott was right. He showed that he could potentially do it at the senior bowl. For me, it's just, you got to show it over a much longer period of time and he's going to have to do it against NFL caliber talent. And 
I have some questions about that. But as a day three guy, absolutely, I'd be willing to take the risk on it. Yeah, it's a it's a low risk, high reward type of payoff. When you talk about unlocking, uh, you're gonna unlock a ton of potential when you crack open. Not my head. A Celsius energy drink, of course, the official sponsor of PeterReport.com. Uh, Celsius always has new flavors coming out, uh, which you gotta get. You gotta get on the train because the train's moving. Uh, they got a fancy vibe, sparkling lemon lime, both fantastic. Um, seven essential vitamins, no post energy drink crash like you might get with some other products. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. So many flavors. Uh, the vibes are always high. Ton of, uh, you know, you see the sparkling wild berry, uh, strawberry, kai, Fuji apple pear, orange, watermelon. Um, really can't go wrong. Strawberry lemonade as well. Um, go to the store locator on the Celsius website. Punch in your address and it will let you know where to find one at your closest location and convenience, whether that's Walmart, Target, 7-Eleven, any type of other convenience store. And, of course your bodega and yes. once you have uh you know a couple celsius and you're like i really like these i want more um, head on over to amazon do the subscribe and save and um have it sent to your house or apartment every week month quarterly yearly whenever you want i'd recommend getting the variety pack variety spice of life just make sure you're drinking celsius energy drinks the official sponsor of the pewter report podcast and of course celsius will be sponsoring the pewter report live draft show presented or the pewter report live draft show energized by celsius very excited non-stop draft coverage from an hour before round one on thursday april 27th all the way to the last pick on day three on uh saturday april 29th we start an hour before the draft begins each day going to be super fun we got a whole setup at the buccaneers facility uh, we're going to be breaking down every single pick giving our reactions just reacting to what's going on in the draft it'll be myself scott reynolds josh capo bailey adams jc allen adam Sylvan. all pewter report will be there always a fun time Catch it on our YouTube and pewterreport.com as well. Going to be an awesome time. Really looking forward to it. And uh, Josh, glad that you can be there in person for it. I'm very excited for it. So, And going back to Celsius real quick, I'm going to plug one of my new favorites, which is the green apple cherry. Just got it last week. Definitely tastes like green apple. Fantastic. Took the wife to um, the gym this uh, earlier today, and this was my post-gym drink of choice to to give me the energy that I needed nice. to get through the rest of this awesome. today. Awesome, yeah. Shaggy. Uh, so Shaggy also says Celsius pulled me through an eighteen-hour weekend road trip. Wow, good for you, Shaggy. That's a uh, nice. That's a long drive, Josh. You uh, you tend to do long drives as well on on road trips and stuff for work, so I'm sure you can. Uh, and it will definitely get all of us put down. Exactly. And it'll get all of us through this weekend because these these pewter report draft weekends are no joke. <laughs> yeah. They really aren't because we take you all the way to the end, which typically is midnight, 1 a.m. Then we're getting the stories out following. Then we're up early to kind of recoup, regroup, and and hit it again. So 
uh, Celsius will be a big part of all of our lives. Yes, it will be. That it, it will be flowing for sure. All right, Josh, we actually spoke about inside linebacker at the beginning of the show, so um, we don't we don't need to revisit that one more time. And um, kind of as we wind down on the show here, we we can group cornerbacks and and safeties together because the Bucks are of course looking for a nickel corner. So it, it could be a corner, could be a safety. Um, I believe you're writing up or have already written up the cornerback class. Yep. Uh, so give us your thoughts about that class in general. People specifically that like uh, Caillou Blue Kelly obviously is is a name that if you read PeterReport.com, you have read about it. Of course, has a little bit of a connection to the Bucks as well. Yeah, yeah. The son of uh, former Super Bowl uh, winning quarterback, cornerback, uh, Brian Kelly. You will probably find nobody in the draft landscape higher on Caillou Blue Kelly than I am. Um, I think Dane Brugler had him as kind of like a fifth round guy. I've got him with a second round value, so he will definitely be a my guy um, because I don't yeah. think anybody's going to be higher on him than I am. Now, with that said, is he a potentially a Bucks target at this point? Not for nickel. I, I see him as more of an outside guy, um, which this draft has a lot of. But looking at potential nickel corners, um, you know, one that I'm huge on, Clark Phillips the third out of Utah. Um, now, is he a Bucks fit? <sighs> 5'9", 184. His athletic testing was average at best. Um, but the tape is just absolutely fantastic. He's twitchy. He's got short area quickness, fluid hips. Um, he played most of his college ball on the outside, and that's really where he thrived. So, you know, you talk about potentially outside-inside versatility because at the NFL level, he is most likely going to be a slot guy. Um, you know, he... he He's got bursts through cuts, just fantastic tape all around. Um, and he's somebody who's probably going to be a, a nickel corner at the NFL level. DJ Turner out of Michigan, who had you know an absolutely unbelievable combine. I think he had the fastest 40-yard dash out of all corners. Um, Quan Bellett, uh, I'm sorry, Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland. Um, he's a willing in the run game. He's got slot versatility, played that a lot at, in Maryland. Yeah, he's somebody who reads quarterbacks well. He keeps his hand on the receiver, but not in a way where he's going to draw flags and then actually reads out the play, the route combination. So those are all guys from kind of the cornerback class who I think could be um, solid. Uh, Nichols, Garrett Williams out of Syracuse who's coming off an ACL tear. Um, Trevius Hodges Tomlinson out of TCU. And uh, he's probably the smallest guy in the draft at 5'8", 178, at least at corner. Um, and then there are some safeties who have that kind of versatility as well. Uh, Quan Martin out of Illinois. I think all of us are pretty big on him. I uh, think he's got some fantastic tape. Illinois just had a ton of fantastic guys in their secondary this year between him, Sidney Brown, um, who you know, I think could be a fantastic safety with some slot versatility. Um, and then uh, Jair Brown out of Penn State could be another potential um, – uh, nickel corner. So there are some throughout, you know, I think um, the, the entirety of the draft. Uh, and then Brian Branch, who I know is a big fan, uh, has a lot of fans in the Tampa Bay um, fan base uh, out of Alabama. He would be a slot guy as well. So um, the Bucks can really pick and choose where they want to target that position. And I think there's quality guys kind of up and down the draft at that, that position group. Yeah. And the fact that they brought back Jamel Dean and the fact that they signed Ryan Neal, uh, it, it gives the Bucks a lot more flexibility and just the the opportunity to just go pick that 
nickel slot corner and not have to worry about finding CB2 or or safety too after um, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, I'm doing up the write-up on the safety, so they've been a little bit more in my uh, my radius uh, as of late. But yeah, Sidney Brown, I'm a huge, huge fan of. I he's the, the reason that I took him in the in the Bucks Mops draft that I did for the battle plan. I just love the way he flies around the field. I love the athleticism. I love like you wouldn't draft the guy for this, but the turnovers that he, you would draft the guy for the turnovers. He's great. Yeah. He's a playmaker, but the creativity in how mm-hmm. he got some of those turnovers is really what I'm trying to say. I think he's um, a super fun player to watch. Brian branch. We've gotten into a lot, uh, what he can do, just the overall, um, you know, the physical ability, the, you know, game changer, game wrecker type of, um, you know, feature that he kind of brings to the game. Uh, Martin as well, as Derek Hall says, Quan Martin or Sidney Brown for Nickelback. Yeah, I'm down with either of those. I just, Sidney Brown's my guy. Sidney Brown's my guy. Uh, Jamie Robinson, can't leave him out either. Um, yeah, as you watch the, the class, Matt, do you mind if I ask you a question about it? No, go for just, it. Just the overall safety class. Do you Do you find there to be a lot of, like, decent players or – are you a bit lower on the safety class overall? No, I think there's a fair amount of of decent players in this year's draft class. I, I think the Bucks should address it within the first three rounds. But, yeah, I think they could find someone in a later round, too, that, I mean, if anyone knows how to work with safeties, it's Todd Bowles. I just, in my opinion, I some of the guys are such, I don't want to say surefire, but such guys that you – want to believe in and that you believe in just watching them that um it's nothing against the later rounds i just really like the early round candidates for uh starting safety for in this year's class yeah i like what you said there um in terms of like for me there are a few really good guys that i again to your point i would probably try and target early because i think that it's not a gradual fall off in terms of talent. i think that you have some high-end dudes day one day two guys and then it, for me, it, it tends to fall off um, a decent amount to where then it's just kind of a, a bunch of just the guys, right? Like I've got, I'm trying to see one, two, four in my top 75. And then like, it's a big jump, you know, like jump off to, to the next group of guys. Um, I think Antonio Johnson's like my safety five and he's at 108. So it's a big, big jump off. So that's kind of what I saw. And, um, and, and I was just curious what your opinions were there. Yeah. Uh, I just, I love, I love, I love some of the, some of the people that we already mentioned. So um, that's, that's, I would say what my feeling is I just, you know, if they, if branch is there, if, if, Brown is there. Martin is available, I think. Or Jamie Robinson. If Jamie Robinson's there in the third round, I think absolutely got to go after a guy like him. But if you want to uh, lose weight and feel better, what you should be going after is age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. 
got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Feel better, have better sex using age rejuvenation. Go to uh, agerejuvenation.com. Get a free consultation. It's absolutely free. Uh, Scott Reynolds has uh, spoken very highly of it, how he's feeling younger, how he's lost weight from it. And um, so if it helps him, it could definitely help you as well. That's Age Rejuvenation. Go to their website, see how they can help you. All right. That is uh, pretty much wraps it up for today's show. Going through the entire defense. You know, Peter Report is is defense first. At least Scott Reynolds is, and he's the face that runs the place. <laughs> yeah, he sets the tone. We're happy to talk about it, too. Um, we got a very, very, very busy week coming up. Very excited. Um, pay attention to PeterReport.com. We'll continue to have the box aspect and, uh, you know, the breakdowns of, of each position. We got linebacker coming up in corner and safety as well. Please follow us on our social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at PeterReport. Of course, on YouTube, PeterReportTV. Check out the live draft show starting this Thursday, one hour before the draft starts. You can find it on our YouTube channel and uh, on pewterreport.com as well. It's going to be awesome. One more scheduling note. We will have a show tomorrow, uh, but no show Wednesday. And then we have shows Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So put that on your calendar. Uh, show tomorrow, we're actually going to be talking about Scott Reynolds' final seven-round Bucks mock draft. So a lot of uh, exciting things to get in on with that one. But until then, for Josh Capo, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Peace out. Out.